This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Gameplay on. TSN 1050 brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And last night, here is my first question. Does anyone know the health of Jack Nicholson? I know we haven't seen him front row in the Oscars for years, and it's been ages since I saw him at a Laker game. But before the start of Lakers OKC, and of course we'll get all into LeBron James breaking the 38-year-old record on the 38th day of the year as a 38-year-old LeBron passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the NBA's all-time scoring leader. I didn't see Jack anywhere there yesterday. No, I didn't either. I will say, though, prefacing this, yeah. I did miss the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. I was working on uh, some stuff for my show. Yep. And today's show, it was yep. it was a very busy night for me for working on show stuff. Um, so I missed the beginning of the game, so I don't know if they may have showed him before. They didn't. But yeah. They didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't see him anywhere. I hope he's okay. I mean, he's not a young man, uh, but that was uh, one of my first thoughts. By the way, if Denzel Washington is going to be the new Jack, you know, the top Hollywood guy sitting court row, great. That is a hell of a transition. If you want to go from Jack to Denzel, I 100% uh, will applaud that. There is... Um, I don't, I don't know what everyone's first moment was when they realized how great LeBron was. I remember mine. It was the end of May, like 2007 playoffs. The, the Cavs would eventually go get dummied by the Spurs. But before that, against the Pistons. And 2007, you know, the rules weren't as lax as they are now in terms of what you can do on offense and neutering defense. So 07, you could still, it was more physical game. And LeBron James had this 40, it became the 48 point special. It was a 48 point game, uh, game five, I believe it was five of the Eastern Conference Finals. And LeBron scored like 29 of Detroit's final 30 games. And Cleveland won in overtime. And that was my first moment back in 07. Where I'm like, oh my God, yeah, this guy is truly special. And you, you know, he's already making all star games, so it was impressive before. I mean, impressive his first game as a rookie. But that for me was my first moment. I'm like, oh, wow, LeBron is a little bit different. And that was 2007. It's, you know, 15 and a half years since then. It's incredible. It really is. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I stayed up to watch uh, to watch all of that. Yeah, and it was funny because, like, I tuned in just just the beginning of the third quarter or, like, a couple minutes into the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And the, you can hear Every time the Lakers got a rebound or they were going down on offense, just the you could feel the buzz just go up about yeah. ten decibels. Yeah, I was like, "Holy moly!" And then ten seconds left in the quarter, he hits the shot, and people flood the court. Yep, that's what I think. Not that they celebrated it. I, I figured they were going to do a celebration, right, Maddie? I'm shocked at how many people. 
rush the court or were up allowed to rush the court. Well, they, they had it set. Like there was so uh, half the people that were rushing the court was security, and the other half was you know members of the Lakers, LeBron's family, things like that. But it looked and, like a lot more. It did. On oh TV. yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. looked like yeah. so many. It looked like a hundred people were going on the court, and I know it probably wasn't that close to a hundred. But it looked like there was that many people rushing the court, or at least pushing the court. They did a good job, by the way. Like it, it wasn't every, everything you knew; everything was going to get stopped. Everything should have, but but it was fairly quick. Adam Silver, a couple words, Kareem here, you know, gave the ball. Okay, I, I got a question for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew it was going to get stopped. Yes, but do you think at any point they looked up at the clock and said, "Huh, ten seconds? Maybe we should just." Play out the quarter and do it in, the, do it in between court. Do you, nah, think that was, you, do you think that was ever a thought that crossed no, their mind? No, the moment the basket went in, that's it. And by the way, LeBron, what a bad play by him because uh, the center, Bryant, Thomas Bryant, had sealed off his man under the basket. The right move, of course, was the pass, the entry pass. But you know, we'll let selfish LeBron James. Let bygones be. We'll bygones. let bygones be bygones. Yeah, you know, let's get into it because uh, my opening thought. Um, is sort of a bit of a different take on all things LeBron. Let's get to it. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! So I want to take this from the angle of Sports Illustrated. I, I used to, uh, I was a subscriber for many, many, many years. And at halftime, I went back and found the first time LeBron was ever on the cover of SI, February 18th, 2002. And it was written by Grant Wall, who recently passed away at the World Cup, one of the... I mean, just just such a tragic moment, a young man and such an incredible writer. So I went through the article, and I want to kind of go through some of the um, highlights and what it says about LeBron and basketball and everything else. The first thing that stands out is, here's how great LeBron is. LeBron is so great, Michael Jordan didn't want to be a part of last night. Not that he was obligated, he's a member of the Hornets. But I bring this up because the article starts with Michael Jordan um, still... um, I think it was with Washington at the time, and the Wizards were playing Cleveland. And LeBron was in town, and Michael Jordan steps into the tunnel of Cleveland's Gund Arena, flashes a million-watt smile, and gives LeBron James, the top high school player in the country, a warm, we're old pals handshake. Where's Mama, Jordan asks. And the interesting thing is, this is how long ago it was. Jordan wasn't threatened by LeBron at the time. At the time, LeBron was one of the few that would be allowed in to Jordan's friendship circle. And I love this line from the article. I remember the photograph of a teenage Bill Clinton meeting John F. Kennedy. Same vibe. Here together are his Aaroness and King James, the 38-year-old master and the 17-year-old prodigy. The best of all time and the high school junior who some people... From drooling NBA GMs to warring shoe company execs to awestruck fans, believe could be the heir apparent. Even in 02, the LeBron versus Jordan comparisons were alive and well. So this article starts about how they were schmoozing for a few minutes, bantering, Jordan giving LeBron advice. You think Jordan was doing that when LeBron was getting close? (laughs) 
LeBron nods and smiles. That's my guy. Last summer, he was the only schoolboy invited to play in Jordan's top secret workouts in Chicago. So it's a reminder. Here's one of the greatness of LeBron James. Jordan got threatened by him. Because back when LeBron was 17, Jordan was best pals. Well, now that LeBron has come from maybe being the greatest of all time, eh, the relationship has changed. By the way, do you know that LeBron James is averaging more points, rebounds, and assists this year at the age of 38 than he did when he was in high school? It's true. Back then, we were wondering about Nike and other shoe companies about his upcoming shoe deal. Quote, LeBron is is thought to possess all the elements necessary to do for some apparel company what Jordan did for Nike. Not only does he have the requisite high-flying game and the Iversononian street cred that Jordan himself lacked, but he can also turn on the charm when necessary. Back then, the estimates was $20 million over five years. That's what LeBron was going to get. It ended up being a seven-year deal for $90 million. Oh, how things have changed. Back then, some saw it as a huge risk. Why is Nike giving $90 million to a guy who's never played an NBA game? 2015, he got a lifetime deal with Nike that will give him over a billion dollars by the time LeBron is 64. I found it interesting that back then, LeBron's best friend among NBA players, Antoine Walker. But again, this tells you how long ago that LeBron was first on the cover of SI. Because back in 02, Antoine Walker was making all-star teams. Him and Paul Pierce were leading the Celtics to an Eastern Conference Final. They would lose to Jason Kidd and the Nets in the Eastern Final. Remember when the Nets were good? Jason Kidd is now coaching Kyrie Irving and the Mavericks. It's a funny small world how it all comes together. Um, back then... LeBron was was stoked he got to hang out with Jay-Z. Now Jay-Z is showing up courtside to honor LeBron. One of the most famous shoe guys is a guy named so- uh, so- Sonny Vaccario. This is the guy that started the deals with Nike, with Jordan. This is a guy and his quote about LeBron in 2002. At this age, LeBron is better than anybody I've seen in this business in 37 years, including Garnett, Bryant, and McGrady. Sonny signed all those guys to their first shoe deals. The second sign we knew something was special was going on with LeBron 21 years ago. Here's a quote. If I were a general manager, there's only four or five NBA players that I wouldn't trade to get them right now, says Danny Ainge. I love Jason Williams at Duke. Oops. I've heard that Chinese guy, Yao Ming, is going to be great. But if LeBron came out this year, I wouldn't even think about it. I'd take him number one. So those are the words of Danny Ainge. And you go and you read this article, and what you find is that the player that everyone compared LeBron to was not Michael Jordan. It was Magic Johnson because of LeBron's ability to dominate unselfishly, to, you know, just was an incredible passer. And think about this, about how great LeBron James is. You know you are a phenomenal talent when, as a teenager, you're compared to Magic Johnson, 
and near the age of 40, you're the only comp left for Michael Jordan. By the way, also just the state of youth sports, how different it is now versus then. LeBron James played wide out for his St. Vincent, St. Mary football team. His mother didn't want him to. But, quote, after the 22-year-old singer, Aaliyah, when she died in that plane crash last August, he persuaded his mother to let him play, quote, you're not promised tomorrow. LeBron broke his index finger during one of those football games. Imagine that happening now. A reminder that the story of LeBron is also the story of a strong mother. Quote, Gloria knows she can protect LeBron for just so long. She gave birth to him at 16, and after her mother died two years later, she and LeBron drifted from apartment to apartment around Akron. I saw drugs, guns, killing. It was crazy, LeBron says. But my mother kept food in my mouth and kept clothes on my back. So when you celebrate LeBron, also don't forget to celebrate his mother, Gloria. Quote, for now, LeBron exists in a weird netherworld between high school student and multimillionaire, between dependent child and made man. He's both, of course. I love that line from the Grant Wall article. It feels like it feels like that was forever ago that LeBron was 17 years old. Let me read the final line. He's almost there, but not yet. Only one more year with no injuries, no complications, and he'll make it. Then he can worry about the next step. Above the television in the James's modest West Akron apartment, LeBron keeps an extra SI cover featuring his photograph. On the cover line is, is he the next Michael Jordan? It's preposterously too early to answer, of course. Yet, judging from young LeBron's unprecedented rise, it's a question that is at least worth asking. That question was worth asking in 2002. It's even more so now. Congratulations to LeBron James. And it's fun to kind of look at the history of him, the history of the game, the history of sport, through the eyes of Sports Illustrated when he was first featured on the cover, when he still had a year left of high school. That was over... 21 years ago. And that is my opening thought. I'm finished. Yeah, I I recommend to everyone, go to the SI Vault, go take a look at the first time LeBron was favored, or was featured, excuse me, and just how how much time has passed. It feels like that was a different lifetime. It it does. I'm trying to think about what I was doing then, and I was in school. 2002. LeBron was friends with Jordan. Jordan loved LeBron. I was seven. He was seven (laughs) years old. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was just hanging out. But it's you mentioned who wrote that article, Grant Wall. Incredible writer. Mm -hmm. Unfortunate situation. But he did a phenomenal job encapsulating what LeBron was at that age. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, very few people could have written that article the way that it was written, and it just shows how important that article was in the grand scheme of things. Oh yeah, just the, the, a great little slice of life of LeBron. It was it was, it was fun because it took like many moments, but turned it into big ones. I mean, back then, you know, Jason Kidd was ruling the East. Antoine Walker was a star, and not a cautionary tale. Um, uh, you know, you, you can go up and down. Uh, Tracy McGrady, Jerry Stackhouse, Michael Finley were big names. Everyone was wondering what was going to be of Yao Ming. Jason Williams was going to be pretty good. Turned out to be damn good. Jason Williams was going to be a star until a motorcycle accident. Danny Ainge 
was coming off coaching the Phoenix Suns. A lot has changed since LeBron James was dominating in high school. And again, they have his high school numbers here. Usually your highest numbers ever as an athlete are when you were in high school. In high school, LeBron James averaged 29.6 points per game. He's averaging over 30 with, uh, in, at the age of 38 in the NBA. It's insane. The, the whole thing is insane. And I still love the fact that he also was like the leading receiver in all of Ohio football that mm-hmm. year, too. Yep. <laughs> Just incredible. That would never happen now. No, be- not be- a Because of AAU, if you know at the age of 17, you can look at a guy and go, oh, this guy could be the number one pick in the draft. You're not playing football. And he wanted to because he loved football and, you know, he loved his teammates there. And it was just part of his life. Well, like I knew guys who played AAA hockey and provincial soccer, and I'm like, how do you pull that off? Yeah, this guy was playing the top two sports in the states mm-hmm. and dominating. Yep. All right. On the other side, we'll play some of the sound from the historic uh, night in the NBA, and we'll get into some Raptors talk, and obviously a ton of NFL as well. I'm Matthew Cause. You're listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. This is Gameplay. On TSN 1050. You play to win the game. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. And yes, on this day, 1931, James Dean, a brief career that was cut short by a auto accident. But yes, on this day, James Dean, Rebel Without a Cause, Giant, and um, really only did a couple movies, but pretty much everyone he did was a fairly significant film. So yes, yeah. James Dean on this day. James Dean, the heartthrob, as everyone called him, right? Yep. Like he yeah. was the guy for oh, God, yeah. a few years. You know? Oh, yeah. As you said, unfortunate accident. By the way, uh, awkwardly transitioning from that. And, oh, you only got to play because it's John Williams' birthday today. We could just do different John Williams scores for the whole show. Like, seriously. They, like, if you, I legitimately thought about that because no. I know you so well, Matt. I thought it, about why it, but not? Like, that is... Why not? Why can't we? I mean, you know, from like Jurassic Park, couple, Indiana I have a, Jones, I have a couple Close things, Encounters, Star Wars, my lord, man. I have a couple things that I, I was working on, but I, the whole thing would have been a lot. So I'm going to hold off on that. If, if there's not... A, okay. Can I get three? Can we get three John Williams scores yes. for the show? Sounds good. Okay, that's good. That's we'll good. Work on which ones you want. Yeah. in a break. Yeah, but, that's. Yeah. I, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm needy. I'm needy like that. By the way, the big game is coming up this Sunday. I bet you knew that. Proline Plus has teamed up with Real Sports to take the sports viewing experience to the next level and get fans closer to the sports they love as the official sportsbook partner of RS Real Sports. Head to TSN 1050's Instagram page for your chance to win a view. Viewing party for eight at Real Sports on Sunday, including food and beverage at ProLine, and and also not just food, not just not just beverages, but also ProLine Plus merch. You got to be 19 years or older to enter. But go to the Instagram page and check all of that out. All right, let's um, let's get the uh, let's get the ESPN Radio. Who doesn't love a good montage? Here's from ESPN Radio, a LeBron record montage. James Fay, jumper, good! NBA history in Los Angeles! LeBron James, a record that had stood 
30 years, many people thought would never be broken. LeBron, you are the NBA's all-time scoring leader. I would never, ever, in a million years, uh, dreamt this even better than what it is tonight. And then let's go to his speech. And yes, don't worry, kids. This one did indeed get bleeped. Here is after he set the record with the step-back jumper, 10.9 seconds left in the third quarter. Here's his scoring record speech. Everybody that's ever been a part of this run with me the last 20 years, 20-plus years, I just want to say I thank you so much because I wouldn't be me without y'all. All All y'all help, all y'all passion, all y'all sacrifices helped me get to this point. And to the NBA, to Adam Silver, to the late, great David Stern, I thank you guys so much for allowing me to be a part of something I've always dreamed about. And um, I would never, ever, in a million years, uh, dreamt this even better than what it is tonight. So, man, thank you guys. <laughs> couple other thoughts from last night. One, the Lakers' defense is horrible. Yep. Just horrible. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see how the Mavs defense can oof. compare. Yeah, well, I mean, you got t- two guards who can't guard. They don't. Yeah, and tonight it's uh, Mavs and Clippers. Kyrie will play tonight, the least self aware athlete. I love them coming out there saying, I just want to go somewhere I'm respected. <laughs> I you know, too. it's like, like, like just, I, I don't want to hammer on it too much. But I, I, I'm glad to be somewhere I'm celebrated, not just tolerated. Here's the thing, Kyrie. You are so talented. Every team would roll out the red carpet for you. At the beginning. At the beginning. Exactly. The reason why you are not celebrated and why it's hard to tolerate you is you. It's not like the Brooklyn Nets management team said, hey, guys, let's get together. You know what no one's ever done successfully? Alienate a star player for no reason whatsoever. Let's be the first to do it. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Kyrie, it is, uh, you know, uh, the vaccine stuff, the anti-Semitism stuff, your inability to learn, grow, flatter, all of that. So... Before you complain that management across North America has a hard time tolerating you, ask yourself, why is that? Anyway, back to LeBron. Yes, OK's, um, like, the Lakers' defense is horrible. OKC at 76 points at the half. Uh, by the way, great night for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Canada's own. 30 points on just 17 shots, two rebounds, eight assists, two steals. I feel bad for everyone who spent a lot of money to buy tickets for the Lakers game on Thursday against Milwaukee, where a lot of people thought, oh, maybe LeBron gets it there. 36 is a lot. Price for those tickets is going to plummet. And the coolest image was right as LeBron takes that shot. And you can see this on on the Internet wherever you are. And there's a shot of underneath the net, and there's LeBron's kids, and then there's a guy, like white hair. And he's sitting there calmly, almost just in this serene, peaceful state as the LeBron shot goes up. And behind him, everyone has got their phone out, taking photos, taking videos. I'm not here shaming y'all for your smartphones and, and our addiction to these what, devices. What people do. I, I don't get it, but yes, continue. Um, and then you find out a second later, like, wait a minute, why do I know who that guy is? Oh, it's Phil Knight. The founder, owner, creator of Nike. And he just was sitting there, and he just looked so calm. He was just taking it in. Taking it in. Enjoying the moment. Yeah. Didn't have his phone out. Do you want to know who else didn't have their phone out? Mm. It was at the other end of the court. Well, two people. Who's well, that? one, Anthony Davis. He was on the bench, and he had zero reaction mm. to LeBron scoring. The other one was Kareem. Kareem... 
did not react immediately when LeBron scored. LeBron actually ran down to the other side before Kareem even tried to get up. Yeah. They uh, don't have a great relationship. They they do not because I, and I understand that, but yeah. I was surprised that as soon as the basket went in, he didn't try to just get up to get onto the, to get to his spot on the court so he yeah. could get out of the way. Yeah. Like that's what I assumed was going to happen. Not that he was going to celebrate or anything, but I figured he was going to stand up and just start walking onto the court. Well, good for Kareem for being there. Uh, he, he understands the sense of history, and Kareem's not exactly been the most um, just the the most gregarious individual, and has a very, uh, I'll just say, complicated relationship with LeBron. Well worded. On the other side, from NBC Sports in Philly, Dave Zangaro is going to join the show, and we're going to get into: Are we looking at the start of a true giant in the NFL and the Eagles, or do we hold their schedule against them? Oh, we'll I know it. this one. I know this one. You don't know. You don't I know. Do. What's the answer? It's easy because this team is built well. Uh huh. And the NFC is awful. <laughs> but are they truly a giant? Find out next. All right. Um, if I may have a second to address that horrible, heinous promo, and yes. Uh, you can listen to the Super Bowl right here on TSN 1050 on Sunday. Our coverage starts at 5 o'clock. I know who put that promo together, and he is an Eagles fan. Well, let me just say right now to Christoph Mamona that your Eagles have won one Super Bowl. Kansas City has won one Super Bowl. I've watched my New York Giants win three Super Bowls, and they've won four in total. If we go back to 1986, when the Giants beat John Elway and the Broncos 39-20. to <sighs> I'm sure my next guest is used to this sort of rage. He does an excellent job covering the Eagles for NBC Sports in Philadelphia, and he is live in Arizona, so I appreciate him taking time to join us. Dave Sangaro. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, no problem. How are you? I'm doing well. First, how is everything there? How is Radio Row? What is the goofiest thing an athlete is trying to sell on one of the airwaves? I love Radio Row. Yeah, it's funny when you're covering one of the teams here, you don't spend as much time on Radio Row. So uh, I've been there a little bit, but in Phoenix, they, they have the uh, the two teams at hotels that are like 25 minutes apart, and that's where they're doing all yeah. their media. So uh spent a lot of time moving from place to place. I haven't spent a, a ton of time on Radio Row yet. Oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's an absolute delight. And then you'll run into Jerome Bettis and he's selling some energy drink. Um, b- before we get to the game, I kind of want to go uh, big picture with you for a second, if we may. Is for, for the Philadelphia side, is the biggest star this weekend Howie Roseman? And just the players that have been brought in, the drafting, the fact that this team is quite different from the one that won that spectacular Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, part my the biggest star is probably still Jalen Hurts, but uh, Howie's right there with him. You're right. I mean, he basically built an entire new Super Bowl team five years later with a new head coach, new quarterback, and just a handful of players, important players, but just a handful of players left over from the, the last championship. And you look back to his offseason, the things he did, I mean, trading for A.J. Brown, trading for C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, finding James Bradbury late in the process, Kaiser White, uh, it, just about every move he pulled off this offseason has worked. And, uh, Hassan Reddick, I, I should have mentioned, of course. Yeah. Uh, so oh. every big move he made uh, has really worked. And it's, it's a little reminiscent to the 2017 run uh, where he seemed to have that magical touch in that offseason as well. 
uh, it's pretty rare to have like you know every move works. It, you know, normally you have at least a couple that don't pan out the way you'd expect. But the biggest ones he made this year were signing Hassan Reddick and trading for AJ Brown, and those have arguably been uh, their best players on their respective sides of the football. Uh, absolutely. The moment AJ Brown was um, traded for the 18th overall pick, um, I don't. I immediately just put down like 20 bucks on the Eagles to win the NFC East, and I felt pretty good about it. Um, you know what? It's funny. You mentioned we were talking about the last Super Bowl. If we, if you could compare just the talent, because one of the stories the last time the Eagles won the Super Bowl was, wow, Nick Foles was put in this great position because there was so much talent around him. If you can compare that team to this team, um, is is there is there one that stands out as the more that had the more talent? This team's more talented. Um, I, I don't think there's any question. Uh, that 2017 team, it kind of had that team team of destiny feel to it. Uh, they were the underdogs in the playoffs in their own building, having lost their starting quarterback and some really key pieces. So uh, that was the vibe on that team. It was, you know, they were overachieving. No one, even though they were the number one seed that year, no one thought that they were going to go on that run. This year has been different. This team has had a target on, on its back since, uh, really since we, we saw them in training camp and, and realized how good they had the potential to be. Uh, so they've approached it differently. They, they've, I think in some ways it's easier to, to go through the playoffs as an underdog and uh, you're, you feel like you're playing with house money. I think there's more pressure on a team when they're expected to be very good. Uh, and I've been really impressed by how the Eagles this year handled that pressure, uh, especially you know knowing that they have a 24-year-old quarterback who is, you know, he doesn't act like he's 24 even a little bit. Uh, I've been impressed by, by just how well and, and uh, how much they've lived up to these expectations. Oh yeah, and you know, right from the start of the season until now, and I guess Dave, like I, I still don't know who I like. I haven't made you know when when you're a gas bag, you have to make your official prediction of who you think is going to win and why. And I'm still not sure. Like I, I believe the Eagles have the more talent. Mahomes is obviously the better quarterback. But a lot of this comes down to, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I'm sure people that are picking Kansas City are are doing a lot of yeah, but. When it comes to the Eagles' defense, that put up incredible numbers, but didn't exactly face a murderer's row of high-end talent at the quarterback position. How do you balance the incredible season and numbers of Philly with the fact that it wasn't like a ton of great quarterbacks they faced? Yeah, it's a little tricky. And you even go back to last year where the Eagles' defense really struggled was against elite quarterbacks. And they just really didn't face that many elite quarterbacks this year. Uh, they faced Aaron Rodgers, but we know he wasn't uh, the Aaron Rodgers of old. Dak Prescott tore them up in, in the one game. Uh, that was a game where Gardner Minshew played really well, and they almost won, but they didn't. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of tricky to figure out exactly how they're going to look against Pat Mahomes, who killed them last year. But that was a different defense, and that defense didn't have nearly the amount of talent that this one has. So, uh, I'm curious to see what it's going to look like. We know Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator, his goal is to limit big explosive plays, and that's not rare against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's what teams try to do. And this next iteration of Mahomes that we've seen this year, it's not big plays. It's He's happy to kind of carve you up, and, and they get a bunch of yards after catch, and he's been so efficient. And, and that's really what's so impressive about Patrick Mahomes is, you know, they lose Tyree Kill, and they're a better offense this year. Uh, and it really speaks to how good he is. And 
I know some national fans get tired of hearing about Patrick Mahomes and how good he is, but it's legit. It's not hyperbole. He's that good, and he can be the great equalizer. I, I agree with you. I think the Eagles overall have the more talented roster. Yeah, I think uh, you, you kind of go position by position. I think you're going to check off a lot more boxes in the Eagles' favor, but uh, the, that one guy really matters, and, and he's the guy that I think most of Philadelphia is kind of petrified of right now. For the Eagles, um, do they have the personnel? No one is going to hold Kelsey to zero catches. But do the Eagles have the personnel and the scheme in your mind to slow him down? Because if you can take him even part of out of the game, that might be the biggest thing because the drop-off between Kelsey and whoever the number one wideout is for Kansas City, it's a pretty big gap in terms of talent. It is. You know the weird thing about Kelsey, though, is, and, and this is not a knock on him at all, but he used to really be like an explosive play yeah. tight end. And, and at this stage of his career, he really isn't. He's still great. Uh, but it's a lot of, uh, a lot of chunk, like small chunk plays, uh, in the middle of the field and they kind of move the sticks with him in a way that almost like plays into what the Eagles are going to want to do. They're going to want to just say, all right, beat us down the field on, on 12 play drives. And we're going to hope that on occasion we're going to get a turnover and, and we're going to flip it on you. Uh, so I, I, look, I think the Kelsey numbers might look good when the game's over. But I'm not, like, unless it's a monster game, I think the Eagles will probably take that as long as they're limiting him uh, to, you know, 10 yards a catch or whatever it is. I think they'd probably take that. Uh, What you want to be careful of is you just don't want those explosives to come from Travis Kelsey, and and you really want to try to limit those explosives overall. And that's kind of been the thing we've seen from this Dannon defense in his two years here. The only difference between this year and last year is that the players – to make big plays and, and to get those turnovers. And I think that's what a lot of this game is going to come down to. It's going to be, can the front four get pressure on Pat Mahomes? Can they force him into some bad throws? And when they do, the secondary just has to make him pay. On the other side, again, uh, joined by Dave Sangrano from NBC Sports Philly. Uh, he's been quiet in the playoffs, but he hasn't really been needed because just how overwhelming Philly has been, how overwhelming the Eagles' running game has been in the postseason. How important uh, is A.J. Brown to the overall result? Yeah, he'll be important. Um, You're right. The numbers haven't been there, but who cares? They've been blowing out teams. Uh, They blew out the Giants and then uh, then the 49ers, so it's like, why are you going to even throw in the second half? Uh, he's still a weapon, and you feel pretty good with him, even if uh, Legere Sneed travels, which he told me he's not. I talked to Sneed today, and he said he's not traveling, but I, I don't know if I'm buying that. <laughs> we'll see what it looks like on Sunday. But even if he does, Sneed's a good corner. The Eagles are still going to take that matchup with A.J. Brown, and overall they feel like they have a good matchup advantage there with Brown and Devontae Smith against uh, the relative inexperience of the Chiefs secondary and those cornerbacks so um, it, it's fun when they have two receivers like this they go into pretty much every game feeling like they have a mismatch and they're going to try to exploit it as much as they can the interesting thing and we'll leave it on this if philadelphia wins and they i mean you know they're the favorite i you know i'd love to get your sense of how you think the game's going to go but if philly wins this super bowl I mean, they're going to now be the clear team in the NFC. I mean, there will be, to me, it feels like there will be a massive gap between Philly and the rest of the NFC. Yeah, we'll see what happens in San Francisco with that quarterback position. Uh, you know, that, that's a very talented roster. So 
they, they could be really in a, in a good position if they figure that spot out. Or, you know, if, if Purdy comes back and looks like the guy or if Trey Lance becomes the guy, that's a really talented roster. But uh, the Eagles are going to be there. Uh, they're, they're a good team. It's going to be a little trickier with the amount of free agents they have coming up uh, to keep all those guys. They're not going to be able to keep them all. They just have too many uh, too many high-priced guys, and they're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts this offseason, which they're most likely going to do. So uh, it's going to change the roster construction a little bit, but uh, they're loaded enough that even if they lose some of these free agents, the rest of their talent should be good enough for them to be in a, at a pretty advantageous spot next year, too. And at the very least, you have, you have faith in a management team that has shown the ability to be able to uh, change on the fly and come out just as strong, if not stronger, than, uh, than ever. Um, I don't know if you're doing it now, and if you're waiting, I, I, I give you the right. I don't know if, if you've been making predictions or what you, or at the very least what your expectations are, Dave, for Sunday. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't zeroed in on a final score just yet. Uh, I, I I I haven't even committed to the Eagles. I'm I'm leaning that way right now. Uh, typically, the way I do it, I just look at the talent and uh, I think that they have the more talented roster, and I feel like they can win both matchups on the on the offensive line and defensive line, and and that goes a long way. So, uh, Mahomes thing obviously scares you a little bit if you're the Eagles because he's such a great player. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. I mean, I, we, we've seen these are the two best teams in the league. So uh, I, I expect it to be a close one. Right now, I, I'm leaning Eagles. I reserve the right to change that closer to the game. Though. Damn right. I'm going to be flip-flopping all over the place. Hey, Dave, so, thank you so much for joining the show. Enjoy Phoenix and enjoy the game, sir. All right, thank you. Take care. Absolutely. NBC Sports Philly reporter Dave Sangrano joins us here on Gameplay. On the other side, it is this or that, and we'll do that right after this. This is Gameplay. Can I get in on that? On TSN 1050. You broke his thumbs. It was an accident. Is that what you call it when somebody doesn't pay up? Embrace the odds. I want winners. us the work of john williams the greatest movie composer ever this is the soundtrack of our childhood this is from indiana jones john williams still alive born in 1932 you know you we could do john williams throughout the entire show uh, and just uh, the music, when you think of Spielberg, when you think of the great moments of Spielberg and, and the works of George Lucas, John Williams is right there. Like their greatness is absolutely tied in. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Nick, producer Nick, what about for you? If you were going to pick your favorite John Williams score, what do you, which way are you going? Uh, the next one that I'm going to play. All right. So leave it we'll, at that. We'll get, we'll get into that later. We will leave it at that. All right. We do it each and every Wednesday. It is time now for This or That. Homer, please don't make me choose between my man and my God because you just can't win. There you go again. Always taking someone else's side. Flanders, the water department, God. All right. Nick McVicker, what do you got? All right, Maddie. Yeah. We're going to start off with an, a rather easy one. LeBron James. Yep. Becomes the all-time <laughs> greatest goals, or greatest goals, greatest point scorer in NBA history. Yeah. Which 
all-time record do you think he's actually worth more to their sport? Okay. Okay, and you're actually going to have three options. All right. All because right. I think it's I think it's fair. The all-time scoring record in the NBA. Yep. The all-time passing yards leader in the NFL or the all-time goal-scoring record in the NHL? I'm going to eliminate the NHL one strictly because the amount of ice time you get and the impact you have on your team winning or losing is still behind NBA superstar and is still behind quarterback. So then we're left with Tom Brady or LeBron James. I'm going to go with passing yard because because football is the more violent sport. Concussions, CTE, torn ACLs, MCLs, PCLs, and it happens in the NBA all the time. Just ask Kevin Durant. But on this, I'm going to go with uh, the. I'm going to go with football because you've seen so many of Tom Brady's. You see, so many young quarterbacks can't survive 17 games. The man's 45, and he was still. Uh, leading the league in completion, so I will go with passing yards slightly more than LeBron than the scoring record in the NBA, but it's damn tight. Uh, agreed. And I, I included the NHL one because I said to their sport, yeah, like which record is more important to their sport. And that Gretzky one, no one thought that was going to be touched. Yeah. And now we have a player in Alex Ovechkin who, from the looks of it, is on pace to get there. So I figured I would throw it in there for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Let's go with another conversation we've been having all day. All right. John Williams. Yeah. Oh. And this is something. I know. You're going to oh, love God. this. I know. Oh, you're you're no. in trouble. Yeah. Uh, you gave me three different movies. Yes. That you wanted. Yes. Which of them is more iconic in your mind, the soundtrack itself? Okay. So you're talking about Jurassic Park, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones. Correct. Ye Lord. <laughs> um... I, I can't answer that. No, like, like seriously, um, because you play three notes of any of them, and we, if you were of a certain age, if you're anywhere from maybe your early 30s to your early 50s, like you know that sort of 20 year run, uh, that 20 year age gap, like, like they're they're all there, like yep. they are all there. I don't, okay. I, I, I don't think I can pick one. We can come back. To yeah, give you give you some time to think. All right, and that'll be an after dark answer. Yeah, after dark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mikey on Leafs Lunch had a very interesting take today. Well, saying broke that, a streak. Saying that he thinks the Oilers are going to win their division. They're currently in fourth place, two points back of the Golden Knights with a game in hand. Which Western Conference fourth place team do you have more confidence in heading into potential playoffs? And this, this includes everything that's gone on and what they might do at the deadline. Yeah. But you have Edmonton, who is two points back, potentially could win their division. Or Colorado, who is uh, ten, points. 10 points back of first in their division yeah. with three games in hand. Let's We have to make that very clear. There is three games in hand, so they're going to make up points most likely. Which do you have more confidence in right now? Jack Campbell's won a bunch in a row, hasn't he? He's, he's he won. and Skinner's been pretty good too. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. So the the goaltending and, and they they beat the Red Wings last night, and then Campbell was good. Um, I, I have to. I, I'm just going to go with like the. I was going to say the Oilers have the higher ceiling because Connor McDavid is on this transcendent sort of year. But in the end, don't I have to go with the Avalanche? Don't I have the team that's coming off winning it all last year? They, you know, they know what it takes, all that kind of stuff. Um, they didn't suffer much of a drop-off 
if you look at goaltending. So I'm I, I'm going to go with Colorado because they also have a higher ceiling because Landeskog hasn't played. They've had injuries all over the place. Landeskog's going to be coming back. I'm going to go Colorado over Edmonton. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree I have more confidence in Colorado, but the way they've been injured all year, yeah. it's very hard to kind of agree with them. Um, trade deadline. Yeah. NBA. Yeah. Tomorrow. That's right. Raptors have been, have been, uh, oh, I don't know, heavily mentioned in rumors all week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. This or that, would you prefer the Raptors to trade at the deadline or stand pat? Trade. Uh, trade at the deadline because they're not going to be able to retain both Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet. And considering how bad this year has been, to bring everyone back would put you so much over the cap, would take away so much of your flexibility. And the Raptors, the, the, there is something wrong with this team. There is something rotten in the state of Denmark. We're not too sure what it is, but it is out there. You need to shake it up. So, yes, no, uh, trades over standing pack. All right. I kind of like that one a lot there. And uh, last one, yeah. this or that. Would you take Kyrie on your team or not no, take Kyrie? No, I would never I would <laughs> never take Kyrie on my team. Never. Ever. I, I cannot take someone with no self awareness, someone who doesn't realize that maybe the problems surrounding him are sometimes him. He is your he is your pampered individual that is always externalizing their issues and never internalizing. That's the problem with Kyrie. His, his comments uh, yesterday that you com- you tweeted out the yeah. reply, I was dying. Um, I work extremely hard at what I do. No one ever talks about my work ethic. Everyone talks about what I'm doing off the floor. That's your fault. Isn't that the Okay. But isn't that the same thing? Well, no, he just he just wants everyone to con- he just wants why isn't everyone complimenting more me more? Why is everyone bringing up these things? Oh, wait a minute. And listen, it, like we only have so many hours of the day. And yes, here, I'll say it right now. You make it into the NBA, you're an incredibly talented, not a talented person. Take talent out of it. It means you are hardworking. It means you have discipline to rise to that level, to be that great in high school, to be that great in your brief time at Duke. To be drafted number one overall means you put in a lot of sacrifice into your craft. No one is denying it. The problem is, Kyrie, all your actions is put a shield up against all the good that you do because all the bad is just blaring in our face. And it's not our fault. It's not the media's fault. It's not the GM's fault. It's not the president's fault. It's your fault. Yeah, and it keeps following him wherever he seems yeah. to go. It's not like it's a one-off thing. Like, if the Nets stuff was a one-off thing, yeah, people would talk about it, but then they would move on. It's the fact that it's not a one-off thing that is becoming more and more and more yeah. and more. And that's where we that's where we're at right now with Kyrie. That's all I can say about that. It is a shameful body of work by Kyrie. All right. Yeah. What do you say? Oh, okay. all right, on the other side. Tim Murray. Oh, one of our favorites from Vison is going to be joining the show. We will get back into all things NFL. And also in terms of the fact that has he made up his mind of who he thinks is going to win? Because I got no idea. That's coming up next right here on Gameplay. This hour of Gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.